Good morning. This has been a week like little other in history. And of course, I've written and rewritten these words that seem like they just go on a hundred different times. I've struggled, I've wept, I felt the weight, we all have, with the murders of George Floyd and others. We're hurting. I want you to know how seriously I take all of this. The world we are in today is rapidly changing. There's hurt and pain, and it needs to be heard. It needs to be acknowledged and recognized. And I have been searching for the words, the words of healing, the words of hope, and for a way forward. I'm so grateful for all of you, for the trust that you put in me and the Crosswalk staff every single week. It is our honor to serve you. But this week, I think we're all bare wires. And it takes very little for bare wires to spark fires. So listen with an open heart and patience. Today, I'm going to ask you to have ears to hear. God seems interested in that. He says it in scripture no less than nine different times. You know, before you came to Crosswalk, you probably checked out our website, looked around, and saw that we had some great pictures, some cool-looking ministries, great-looking people, and thought, hey, that might be a place for me. They've even got coffee. As you continue to look around, I would bet that each of you came to our website and saw what we like to call our end statements. If you didn't get to those, you did at least gravitate to the idea of love well. I want to remind you of the introductory statement. Now, these statements were written 15 years ago. It starts like this, love well. In a phrase, this is what Crosswalk Church is about. How we love God, love those around us, and love the greater community that God has called us to serve. It's all incorporated into this idea of love well. As a Seventh-day Adventist church, we seek to express the presence, image, and character of God through our community work, our worship, our beliefs, and these organizational end statements. These statements reveal what the Crosswalk community will look like as she more faithfully answers her mission to love well. So as I was looking for words to say today, I realized that some of the words have been etched indelibly on the foundation of this faith community. Now, all of this is the way we express our belief in Jesus as he is our anchor point and our organizing principle. But these words, and I will delve into each one, contain a deeper understanding of what it means to really love well. My bet is that when you read these for the first time, you wondered if we were serious about these words, and I can tell you this, we are. So the first phrase, the one you know the best, crosswalk will be a community of belonging. This one is referenced the most, perhaps because it's the shortest, or because it is so important, or maybe just because it's first. As we've leaned into this, I've been blown away and, and this is true to every single one of our campuses. We have seen much of the same situation happen. This incredibly broad spectrum of people from different backgrounds, races, and culture, as well as from different, how do I say it, um, chronologies. Young, right? Old, getting older. I think that's me. We've been constantly 
We've been constantly surprised that people from across the spectrum of politics and economic status, and even traditional and more progressive in our own faith tradition, have found home here at Crosswalk. While not all agreeing with the same things all the time, still not willing to break fellowship for the greater purpose of Jesus. We have Avenists, we have non-Avenists, we have former Avenists, we even have atheists and agnostics, and we have the just plain curious who are with us every single week. Honestly, I have never experienced this in church in such a fashion, and I am so incredibly blessed. I feel like this is a small portion of the kingdom of God. And as it says in Revelation 7, 9, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. I don't know why this gets me. This assembly, like our church, represents the diversity of humanity. If heaven is such a place, we have a taste of it here. But diversity has its challenges. We have differing perspectives, yet we still call each other brother and sister. And that's hard. When you walk through those front doors, you just belong. You receive a hug and you get a, we're so glad that you're here. And we've never been stingy about that love. I mean, why would we be? We know that God in his abundance has love and love and overwhelming love. We believe that God loves all his children. So our love should reflect his love. It should be overwhelming. It should be abundant. Saying we're a community of belonging and then trying to be one can be difficult in the best of times and is difficult in the worst of times. And I don't know that we've always gotten it right. I... In fact, I'm sure we have not. And for that, I apologize. We'll try again and we press on together. And we have, or at least try to have, a modicum of trust with one another. Trust, right? That's a hard one. Because trust has to go both ways. You see, I stand in front of you each week, each week cognizant of the trust you put in me to work through scripture with you in search of a better understanding. You afford me that time to do this with your tithes and with your offerings. And then you give me a half hour of your life every single week, which adds up to hundreds of hours. I'm blessed to do it. And I try not to break that trust. Till now, and I hope through now, you have afforded me that trust even when a hard word comes. So what is a hard word? It's those words in scriptures that just punch us in the gut, that hurt a little or a lot, that we don't, we don't want to agree with. I was preaching in a black church one day, and the congregation was in dialogue with me. You know, like you guys don't so much, but they do. It's something I love. We all love it. I would say something, and this little old lady in the front would go, well, because she didn't want to hear it. But you know, it's sometimes in the hard words that we grow the most. But they can also be the most painful. The most interesting thing 
is that in a congregation so diverse, almost every word I say is a hard word for someone. Now that's fascinating. But a community of belonging, it doesn't break fellowship. Even when the words are hard, even when the words are difficult, even when the words are specifically for your heart. And just for the record, I want you to know, I am not exempt. And I know this probably sounds weird because I guess I work on these sermons and I labor with the Holy Spirit and I know what I'm going to say, but sometimes I wonder if the sermons are just for me. And I hope that sometimes I listen. Sometimes it feels that the words are here to break my heart too. I preach them and they fly back into me. I'm not immune to the working of the Holy Spirit. I hope I'm not. But here's the thing. When God breaks your heart, you know that he's also the one to mend it, right? He is. That's statement number one. Our second end statement. Crossmark will be a community where people learn and grow in an authentic relationship with God. Now, I've always felt this to mean that we will tell the truth about things, the truth about our relationship with God, right? And about our experience with him. Because you've heard me say this time and time again, that your best witness is an honest witness. But it also means that we have to tell the truth about ourselves. And that is so much harder. Because this takes some serious soul searching. By the way, I don't know if you ever have. Most Christians have, and I would bet you have. But have you ever prayed this prayer that we find in Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Yeah, it's a mess. You ask God to search your heart, he'll search it, but he might break it. This is the only way we grow. And in times of crisis, it is especially important for us to have God search our hearts because only then can we have an authentic relationship with him and with others. Now listen, when we're talking about this, if you struggle with this, you have to think about why you're having such a hard time. Maybe you don't want to know what's in your heart. Maybe I don't want to know what's in my heart. We don't want to be broken by what God will bring out as truth of what is in our hearts. And our hearts are mostly good, I would bet. And if you think you don't need God to search your heart, well, you got to think about the why of that as well. I guess this is a time for national reflection to search our collective hearts. But more than that is that we allow God to search our own hearts individually to see where we stand and what needs to be taken out and replaced. Did you hear that? I, I don't want you to just search your heart because that's not what the prayer was in Psalm. I want you to allow God to search your heart. Why? Well, because he's much more familiar with it than you are. He knows all the corners and the dead ends. He knows all the closets where we hide things. And he searches it with a bright light, exposing our bias, exposing our secret sins, exposing our greatest hopes as well. He knows it all. You haven't been hiding. But if this sounds frightening, I guess it should. 
We may not like what he finds in our hearts. That's why we haven't searched them ourselves. How would it feel if someone came into your house today to look through all your stuff? I'm not talking about when you knew they were coming so you cleaned it up. I'm talking about when they just showed up and came through. Man, it's uncomfortable to the point where we wouldn't want it to happen. But, but Scripture demands that we allow it and even says we should ask for it. Search my heart, O oh God. Take out from me. But he won't allow us alone to, to just live there with it, right? He's there. He's doing this together. I mean, what if we found that the bias, the heartache, the sickness, the racism, the uncaring parts of our hearts, the laziness that we have, what if we found that and he gave us an opportunity to not only repent, but also to heal? And by the way, repent means to turn away, to go in a different direction. It's a change of attitude and behavior. And usually it comes with confession. And there are things we all need to confess and repent from, move away from. Oh, and it's not always up to us to say what it is we need to confess. This is when we have to listen to the Holy Spirit convicting our hearts. He just might change our minds. And I want to ask you this question today if you're struggling with this. What do we lose by letting God search our hearts? What do we lose by knowing what needs to be changed in our lives, in our understanding, and in our deepest parts? What are we afraid of? If God breaks our hearts open to see them, don't you think he is the one, the one who created them? And don't you think he can repair them as well and not even make them, you know, repaired, but give us new hearts? Listen, don't be afraid of this process. We will never heal if we will never let God diagnose the problem that is in our hearts. And we all have it, friends. As we get older, listen, as we get older, some of us, many of us become very used to the aches and pains of age, right? I know that I have. Waking up in the mo morning is like a veritable cornucopia of pops and clicks and sighs. Like, I didn't know my body could make those kinds of noises. We get kind of used to that dull pain. We live with it, and we just sort of hope it subsides throughout the day. But every once in a while, one of those pains that we have inflames, and it becomes acute. A few months ago, I was having some very specific pain in my wisdom tooth. I had never had them taken out, so from time to time, they would swell up. Usually, I could take some ibuprofen, you know, brush my teeth a little better, and things would get better. However, this time, I couldn't ignore the pain. Something had to be done. Because when a part of the body is in acute pain, the rest of the body doesn't work right. I went to the dentist and we identified the problem, which was not actually specifically from the area that I thought it was. You see, something else was creating that problem, creating that acute flare-up. There was a deeper, more insidious thing we had to work on. Members of our body... The crosswalk body and the body of Christ are experiencing acute pain. This is not to say that the pain hasn't been there, but it flared up and, become, and has become something we cannot ignore. We never should have. And if part of the body is hurting, the whole of the body is hurting. We will not heal without acknowledging that pain. We will not heal 
without acknowledging where it comes from and finding a way to grow and heal through it. We will not heal. Part of our community, I'll say it again, is hurting. So we are all hurting or we are not really in community. We are consumers that sit next to each other in church and that's not the way it's supposed to be. By the way, just our next series is called Faith by Design. And we are leaning into the process of breaking down our faith, breaking down ourselves, and learning to build the faith that God has designed for us. We'll be looking at the book of James. Now, I don't know if you've read the book of James lately, but it has a lot to say. And it actually starts tomorrow with the new study guide. So download it today, www.crosswalkvillage.com slash series guide, I believe is what it is. Now, this is going to be a painful process. Because it begins here, right? It begins here with letting God search your heart. We're going to spend 14 weeks studying this book, finding out what, as James says, true religion really is. And it is not perhaps what you think it is. It is a great deal more compelling and harder. The mirrors in which we will see ourselves might be hard, will be hard. But Christians, come on, in our better moments, we have never shied away from the hard look at ourselves And we will do this together. Remember, we came to Christianity because we took a hard look at ourselves. Our third statement, crosswalk will be relevant in living out the ways of Jesus in our place and time, our place and time, right here, right now. I bet one of the reasons you you love to attend crosswalk and you've made it your home is because of our commitment to being deeply relevant to the communities that we serve, to speaking out real things into difficult situations. And it is a place that seeks to live out these ways of Jesus. Well, friends, to be relevant today is to engage in a dialogue about racism and the human condition. It's complicated and it's easy to become us against them, but we're not going to do that because racism is a human problem. And because we are in the United States, it's a national problem that we have to deal with. Now, I'm not going to give national solutions. I think that is the work of millions of people and legislators and, and you know, organizations. And I think that's the work of millimeters, not miles. I'm not going to solve that today. But to engage in this conversation should not be a threat to anyone. What do we have to lose? What do we have to lose? Should it be uncomfortable? Will it be uncomfortable? Yes. But so is having God search our hearts. We've established that already. So how will we go about that? The church is much more complicated than it was a few years ago. We have to use all of our different platforms to engage the conversation. And within our communities, we have people from all over the spectrum, from every race and culture and from every vantage and viewpoint and political point of view as well. These will not be easy conversations. They will happen over different aspects and different platforms, and they need to engage everyone. And I don't have all this worked out by any means, but we will be working with our board and with our campuses and their boards, their leadership teams in the upcoming weeks and months. These will be long-term conversations. Because of our multiple campuses across the United States, we need to find a way to be relevant to each place and each community. This will be a deeply collaborative process and an amazing opportunity for us. But I got to tell you, I have a fear, friends. To be honest, I have a fear that we will not conduct ourselves like Christians, like brothers and sisters. 
that we will not lean into our better angels, as Lincoln stated, and we will fall into factions that don't agree and become antagonistic with one another and decide to break fellowship. Whether we do it in face or whether we do it online, we've got to be careful. So I'm going to ask us for a moment to rise above our politics into a conversation that listens, that hears, that believes, and that acts. That's everyone I'm asking. We have nothing to lose by listening. I'm going to say that again. We have nothing to lose by listening to other voices in our lives. Number four, Crosswalk will be a community that lives beyond herself by caring and advocating for the powerless, oppressed, and abandoned. Man, this was written years ago, and they got it right. Since I've been at Crosswalk for the last five and a half years, we have engaged in ministries of compassion and mercy. We have clinics, we have Lovewell dinners, and we have a willingness to partner with other organizations. These are the ways that we have cared and advocated. And I know that every single one of our campuses has and has been engaged in its own incredible opportunities to serve. We, of course, are going to continue to do these things available for everyone to serve and to be served. We will also seek to find more ways in which to engage our most marginalized and hurting. And listen, we haven't got this all worked out either, right? There's other opportunities. I want to hear what you have to say about how we can engage more and more. And you can always email us at volunteer at crosswalkvillage.com with great ideas. We can't do all of them probably, but we can find the ones that we can be really effective in. Lastly, number five, Crosswalk will be a community that exemplifies servant leadership. And I've always understood this to be the Jesus part. I mean, I think it all encapsulates who Jesus is. But let me read to you the story that I reference often. It comes from Luke 4. It says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Man, Jesus is on just a high, right? Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus could bring it. When he came to the village of Nazareth, which was his home, right? He went, and it always says, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. I'm at verse 17 now, just so you know, Luke 4, 17. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. By the way, on a scroll, that's not an easy thing to do. So this guy knew scripture and he let it actually speak into his life. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading from Isaiah now. For he has anointed me to do a few things. This is it. Bring good news to the poor. Yep. He sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So then what did he do? He rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and then he sat down because you sit down to preach. We don't do that anymore. We sit down to preach. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. They were all right there. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. 
he says. They didn't know what to do with that, right? And everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. But still, they were wondering, how can this be? Do I have to take this seriously? Isn't this Joseph's son? How can he know that stuff? I don't know that stuff. That doesn't make sense to me. Now, I want to focus on three different parts of the story. First, what the mission is. It's compassion. Good news to the poor. The only way to have compassion is by listening to their story and being moved inside. Remember splegnitzomai? That means to be moved in the guts. And I want to be clear on something here. This is the time to listen to the stories of those who have a different experience than many of us do. It's, it's mercy too. That those who are captives would be released. Now this is a tough one. But it's there, so we have to do something with it. We could, of course, take all day on this one, but I would like to say that we need to be part of creating systems of education and advocacy for those who need our help. I think that's really important to do in our communities. The third is healing, right? And we're good at this one. Like, we're Seventh-day Adventists. We got this. There are so many of us in the healthcare profession that we love to heal. But, you know, words are healing too. And too many of us, too often are not willing to tame our tongues and stop using words of healing and start using words of healing. We'd rather make a point. And perhaps today is not the day to make our point. Perhaps today is the day to listen, believe, and be part of the healing process. Maybe you can withhold judgment for a while so you can walk a mile in a brother or sister's shoes. This will help to heal the world. You know, Jesus spent two-thirds of his time healing physical afflictions. But it's his words that brought healing to the rest of his ministry. And it is justice. That the oppressed would be set free. But you know, we don't know who's oppressed until we start listening and believing the voices. We can't fix oppression if we can't see it. And we all have blind spots. But I want to push this question again. What do we have to lose by listening and believing that someone else's experience that does not match mine is still true? I want you to think about that. What do we have to lose? I see it a lot. And maybe I'm guilty of it too. It's easy for us to shut down conversations that we don't understand and certainly ones that we don't like. It's simple for us to say simply, that's not true. When faced with a reality that we have never lived, we can wash that away and walk away and not have to think about it again. I want to remind you, just because you don't want to hear it does not mean it's not there. As, as Christians, if we can't hear our brothers and sisters and particularly our brothers and sisters of color that have a truth to tell us. We are not giving them equal status in the eyes of God. What they have lived may not be our rea- your reality, my reality. I don't know. I'm speaking to everyone. It has not been mine. But that doesn't mean it's not real. And to deny that is not fair. To be willing to listen to our brothers and sisters means we are willing to listen to God as well because when we shut down other people, we often shut down God because God uses other people so often to change our hearts. These things are not disconnected. 
You know what it says, right? Matthew 25, 37. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Verse 38, or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison or visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. God uses other people all the time, listening to needs, responding to them. That is servant leadership. Always. And family, I don't, I don't get this right all the time. And so I'm, I'm more than willing to publicly repent for my blind spots and biases, for my inactions at times when I should have been called into action. I want to listen. I don't want to diminish the stories and the narratives from your lives. Make my heart break for what breaks yours. We sing that in a song to God. I want to sing it to my friends as well. I want to be a church that is belonging, that is justice, that is hard conversations, that is lifting up that Jesus is for us and not against us. It will happen if we can just listen and hear and open our hearts. You know, in Amos 5, God talks a little bit through the prophet Amos about how he's tired of people's songs and he's tired about their festivals and he's tired about so much. I mean, we haven't been able to meet for 12 weeks. And maybe in that interim, it's the time that we do the hard justice work. And we all do it differently. You know that. We all do it differently, and we have nothing to lose in this but everything to gain. Find your lane and do what you can. Listen, I know so many of us want our churches to be open, and we are working to do that in the best possible fashion for each and every one of our sites. And I see you, Northeast Atlanta. You guys get to keep meeting. We're excited for you. We'll open them as we can, but please trust our and the process that God is giving us in this. But more than anything, I miss singing with you. Every week, we were able to open our hearts to God and spend time letting the world fall away for a little bit. As the poet Wordsworth says, the world is too much with us late and soon. But that time to focus on Jesus, hands up, some of us, eyes closed, some of us, or fixed up on the heavens, the volume, the breath, the seeking hearts and voices, those moments of transcendence made it easier for us to put everything away for a moment and open ourselves up to the word that we claim is authority in our lives. Those words of Jesus, or those words that speak of Jesus, of his power, his victory, his sacrifice, his incredible and indelible grace that is burned and seared into our hearts and his desire for each and every one of you. I want those moments back. I need them. I need him in my life. I'm sure you do too. You remember Isai and the team just going all in for Jesus. The sounds of everyone in the room connecting with the heart of God. We will be back here. We will come back to that. And it will be a healing moment. It will be a soothing balm to our weary and worn hearts. I wish it were today. You know, 
we just did this series on First and Second Thessalonians talking about the end of time, right? And um, we kind of made the case that this may not be it and that, you know, time and time again, people have thought it was who this is the man of lawlessness or this or that. So, so, so we've kind of pushed that back. But I'm, I was musing today as I was driving. And by the way, I'm driving into work today and, and the, the Amazon building blows. <laughs> What's happening? And I was thinking to myself, you know, what, what if it was the end? Like, what if it was and all the signs were there and this is it? And we have like a week and we all know it. And we all know that in a week, Jesus is going to burst through those clouds. Everything's going to be broken open and, and the world will be made new and our hearts and our everything will be made new. What if we had one week? What it means that it means that you know our homes and our jobs and our positions and all our education and all that you know it's all gonna be for naught eventually in the end because we're gonna be with Jesus. But but if you had a week, only one week, what would you do? Would you get involved in the mission of God? Would you be compassion and mercy and healing and justice? Would you declare the year of the Lord's favor? Oh, I guess you'd have to declare the week of the Lord's favor. What if we had one week? Would it change what you have done for the last 30, 40, 50, 60, 20 years? I miss singing. So as we end today, I want you to sing. Man, I want you to sing like you haven't sung before. I want you to sing like your life depends on it. Because maybe all our lives depend on it. God of grace. In the midst of a hurting world, we need you to heal. And Lord, I'm talking about big healing. I'm talking about transformation, regenerative kind of healing. The kind of healing that people go, there was never cancer there. There couldn't have been because it is so perfectly made new. Lord, that's what I'm asking for. And Lord, for those of us who'd feel like we don't need healing, like we've got it all figured out and, and, and whatever's going on, whatever's happening, like forget it. We're going to just continue on. Lord, break our hearts. And Lord, hear our voices. Because sometimes it's in the brokenness where we sing the loudest. And we sing the most powerfully. Because we need you the most. Because we need you the most.